Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Very, very excited to be with you. Um, yeah, there we go. So, um, it's been an interesting season, very interesting season. And out of this season, I'm kind of surprised that I made it through. I'm here. I'm, I'm alive and well. It, it was that kind of season. But, um, and, and from the last time that I taught. So my name is Andoni. I'm one of the leaders here. It's my pleasure to, to teach today with you. Um, but it, it's something that you guys might not notice because um, it's, it happens quite often. But um, I think it's really, really powerful. As I was waiting to come teach here, and, well, I was waiting, I was in worship, and then Alex closes worship, he literally, like, went through what the highlights of my sermon are and, uh, and closed with ministry time. So I don't, I'm not sure if we should be going with what I have because you already went through it. But, no, I use it as confirmation. It's so powerful for that. It's, it's, it's like when you're in the middle, it's like, did I hear right? Did I, is this what you want to share, God? And then suddenly that happens. It really helps. So um, I'm just so thankful for, for the prophetic in our church and that we hear from him. And uh, it just conf- confirms that the Lord is here. So... Um, the other day I was driving. Uh, I was driving back from work. Uh, I go to work sometimes because we moved to a tiny apartment and I share a room with Leon now in my office. And, and that doesn't really work when he's going wild and I need to be talking to a lot of people. So I go to, I go to the office sometimes and I was driving and, and you know how um, there's these signs on churches on what the next sermon is. So I really enjoy reading those signs. I, I, I debate them in my head. I uh, sometimes agree with them. Sometimes I'm like, that's powerful. And sometimes like this time, I just really chewed on it. This one was, um, it said, seeing God through the eyes of others. Now, this one got stuck in my head, and I was like, that sounds very nice, but there's something off. Now, my goal is not to criticize this particular church or, 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 or like, really bash on it, but my duty as, and our duty as a church is to judge ideas. There's these ideas that create pillars in our culture that then people start standing on. And it's our job to, to put that against the word of what the Lord is actually teaching and doing and seeing, is that, the right, is that a right pillar to stand on? Is that something that should be there? And that's how we identified lies from the enemy and the truth from the Father, right? So Jesus was never, never afraid to call out lies. He was never afraid to speak out to his people and what type of ideas were wrong. So I want to go into... A passage that's not like one that's the favorite for people to read because of, you, you'll see. So let's go to Matthew 15, please. I really want you to open your Bibles and, or your phones or whatever you have that you use to read the Bible. All right, we're there. 
All right. So it says in 15, it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they're no longer, they're not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. I'm just going to pause on that one. Human rules. And then I'm going to go. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that, that the Pharisees were offended? Oh, my God. When they heard this, and he said, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. There are blind guides. If, they blind, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And then Peter. Thank you for Peter. It's, I love his questions. And he, he does receive tough answers. Explain, to the, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? <laughs> And Jesus, Jesus asked them, don't you see what, what, that whatever enters your mouth goes into your stomach and then out of your body? But the things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, death, and theft, um, false testimony, slander. They're what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So what is Jesus doing here? What it, is, is washing your hands wrong? It, it's not a hard question. It's, it's not. It's not, not wrong to wash your hands. My, my wife uh, is very strict. She's a nurse, so she's always having us wash hands. And Le, poor Leon does, cannot grab a snack without washing his hands. Um, so I'm always carrying Leon to, care, to, to wash his hands. He's pointing what is important and moves away from what is intended to be imposed of control. Like he's, he's moving the intention back to, hey, this is what is actually important. And pivoting from what was an intent to control, right? He actually does not address the washing of the hands. But the part of where the Pharisees use the phrase, the elder's tradition. He points back to them that they actually do not honor the parents or elders. They did not care of their parents. So you care about what the, parents, the elders have a tradition, but you actually do not care to follow the command about them. Because whenever the, the parents would ask for help, they would point to giving the property to the church. So they could not help. It says, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they're not to honor their father or mother with it. The Pharisees cared more about taking control, keep, keeping control of their kingdom, of their possessions, of their, um, the things that would actually bring honor to, net, to, to them than actually trusting God. And they were using their mouths to change a command from God. That's why he's pointing out what it's coming out of your mouth. It comes out of a heart full of what he described. They're not, 
people do not get a lot of like clapping when you give out things for your parents and you take care of your parents, right? That's not like something recognized. It's not something that people are celebrating. But giving it publicly to the church, it does. So if we're still confused of what the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach, teach is that the disciples came to him and asked, do you know what the, that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He did not care to offend. He did not. He replied, every plan that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots, leave them, they're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Jesus wants to be the gardener. The father is the only one that plants the ideas. I guess pastoring includes telling people when they might fall into a pit. If we truly believe the gospel, if we truly believe, hey, if people don't know about Jesus, they're going to go to hell, they're going to have eternity, and if we truly believe that, it's like, let's think about, it. hey, I know that a boss is going to hit you, and you're in the middle of the road, and the boss is going to hit you. I'm going to do something to get you out of the way. There might be a moment where I actually tackle you so you don't get hit by the bus. You might get offended that I tackled you, but the bus was going to hit you. Jesus asked them, don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. It is very important that we watch the ideas that we are speaking. What are the ideas that we are revealing? The Pharisees were contaminating themselves producing this lie to control, to control the people, to control their power. There's a, there's a commentary that I read on this passage. It says, what great danger we're in on pollution, what which proceeds from the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart. In Matthew 12, 34, it says, there is no defilement in the products of God's bounty. The defilement arises from the products out of the corruption that... We, not now here we have the corrupt fountain of which proceeds out of the mouth it comes from the heart that is the spring and source of all sin that's in, in Jeremiah 8 7 the tongue has a power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits that's Proverbs 18 21 Jesus points very clear to an order of truths there's an order of truths washing hands was not wrong you break the command of God for the sake of tradition. So what's bothering me from the title of the sermon of that church? What was just the title? I don't know. I'm just judging the book by its cover. So I actually have not listened to their sermon. So it could be that it's really good. And I'm just grabbing the sermon and, and out of that seeing God through the eyes of others. It's people first then God. That's what was bothering me. It's putting people's experience to define what God is. That is wrong. Why? Because there's only one way to see him. It's Jesus. It's not my experience that's going to define who he is. It's him. It's, it's, it's Jesus himself. It, this is Jesus in print. This defi my, my theology is defined by him, not my experience. Meaning, if I have someone that has not seen healing and, they wanted to, and they've been praying for healing and they don't see healing, I'm not going to change my theology because of that experience. 
So even though that seeing God through the eyes of others sounds nice, that's an idea that's very dangerous because then you're changing the definition of who he is because of the experience that other people have, not by what you read from here. It's the same thing that Jesus was doing. He was telling them, hey, that thought that you have is not wrong. Washing your hands is not wrong, but you're just putting it out of order. First, you got to follow the command of the elders, of the father, like of honoring your parents and not just using what's convenient and taking it out of context. There's only one way to see him, and it's Jesus. Jesus, seeing God. It says, if you have seen me, meaning Jesus, you have seen the Father. There's only one way to see him. So we need to be very careful to be instructed by the word. Not what's in the culture, not our feelings of our situation, because as you can see, the heart is, can be corrupt, right? And we need to put that to be pruned by the gardener. I, I love that he brought, brings in the gardener in this, in, in this chapter. Heaven's culture is not formed in us beyond our heart to hear his voice. That is where life begins, in his voice, hearing his voice pruning. We live by every word that proceeds from his mouth. The Bible is words, it's God's word. It's absolute in authority and carries the revelation that we need for our life. Culture has been try, trying to use certain parts of the Bible to call out the church. It's happening all around us. They, they will use truths that Jesus said and insert them in whatever it is that they're trying to tell you to do. It's like, love your neighbor. If you would be truly a Christian, you would love your neighbor and do something that they're trying to get you to do. Totally right command. It is. Love your neighbor. Yes. But is this truth standing on its own? Is it not framed with another one before it? It says, yes, it is love your God above all things. In Mark 1230, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbors. It actually says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So church, we need to be in the word. We cannot have, we cannot just trust that we remember certain verses and we'll be fine with it. We need to be constantly refreshing our mind, renewing our mind with the word of the Lord. Jim and I, we were just talking about how important it is that we, every day we're reading the Bible. We need to stand on the truth. You need to be armed with it. As we just learned, it will set you free. Bill Johnson says, the Bible is Jesus in print. Don't tell me you love Jesus, but you don't love his word. So, as you notice, the world will use good truths to push or adopt behavior, but they will not lead you to relationship with God. They will purposely leave that out. Because they don't believe in God in the first place. So, there's a lot of truths in the Bible that are held in tension. And if we're not constantly reading through them and, and, and meditating through them, we're going to be left in, in a moment of very awkward 
when someone brings up that tension and we don't know what it actually means. And we need to be able to respond to it. For example, I'm going to bring one just for fun. It says, if anyone comes to me, and this is Jesus, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, father, hate their father and their mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. But we just read, honor your father and your mother. So which one is it? Yes. Both. Their whole intention. They're both true. One stands above the other one. One is in, it obviously above the other one. It's God first. There's another example of a good idea being misplaced. Um, I was reading the story of Babel, actually, to Leon and, and at night. I'm reading him the, the, the Bible every night. And, um, and in the story, the, the people have one language, and they start building a city with a tower to reach the sky, right, and make a name for themselves. That's what they say. Now, God stops them by confusing their language because nothing would be impossible to them. That's what God says in that. Let us go and confuse their language because nothing will be impossible to them. Was the intention of building a city where there was unity and peace was bad? Not a trick question. No, it wasn't. Was the intention of having understanding among neighbors and good communication bad? No. If I let Leon just stand on that story, he would think God is bad. Why did he change the language for everyone? So I don't need to see God through the eyes of Leon. I actually need to bring the whole context of the story, of the whole arc in, and introduce what actual theology should be for Leon. So I tell him, no, actually, we were created to depend on him so that the impossible is done through him. It's made possible. That's why he said, why did God confuse him? He says, nothing will be impossible to them. From the beginning, you were designed to need him. We were not designed to be self-sufficient. It's been out of the original design to not need God. You were, made, you were not made to solve for yourself. So it's dependency. A lot of us, we're in seasons where you, we have become sufficient without him. We have learned to not need him. And we put ourselves first. The original design in the garden was complete relationship with him. You were designed to have a father and live by faith, walk by faith, to be a believer and depend on him. Use him to solve the problems. Alex, I don't know if you guys have been reading this beautiful tiny book. It's great. I really recommend it. I know the author. He's lovely. Um, I really enjoy the read. Um, and in the quotes, I, I'm going to quote it right now in chapter, it's something chapter 8, I'm not sure. Um, he talks about Babel. There's an ongoing critique of the empire that runs throughout the entire Bible story. From Genesis 3 to Genesis 11, we see that it began with a family devolving to, to empire due to the effects of sin. The family was the context for the kingdom of God on earth, but in Babel, we see that something else has sprouted producing an identity apart from God, the making of a name, Shem in Hebrew. Humanity untethered from Yahweh always has an identity crisis. God's answer to this is to go back to family, a family with Shem. He will give them establishing their value and worth beyond what they produce. 
The story of Abraham coming right after the story of Babel is on purpose to show that Abraham's story is the answer for the Babylon problem. The answer to the corrupt confusion of the earthly city is a family of faith, a family of people who move with Yahweh rather than develop their own plan. It's a powerful story. Here's what I'm getting at. And it's Alex, not me. So I'm not stealing his, his words. It's really good. The Babel of our day is any cultural or economic enterprise that aims to provide an identity apart from God. I'll say it again. The Babel of our day is any cultural or economic enterprise that aims to provide an identity apart from God. Okay? The way I see my relationship with the Lord is not His first and then my wife and then my children. That's not how it is. We cannot set it up like that. He's in everything. It's circles. He is in everything. Rather than a pyramid of importance, it's a circle where everything revolves around him. Me being a good husband is loving God. I need him to be that with all my heart. Me being patient and playing with my son is loving the Lord. Me working in my, my job with excellence is loving the Lord with my whole heart. It's not a separation of ministry of the ones that do ministry and the ones that don't. So this should be, this should be exciting for you of moving towards whatever that you do in your days, in the normal day, you're doing it towards the Lord. Why is this important? Because as I showed before, culture wants to remove him from his right place. Do everything to remove him from that place. We need to get rid of the idols that have been created in our culture that then stay on our head. The idols are anything that you have to check before you do something before you do anything. There are those idols of like, hey, um, making this choice, this right choice. But what, this, what would this person think? What would this um, anchor or this comedy guy think? Even though that I don't know him, he has no idea of my existence. But I listened to some, to some YouTube videos from him and he has really good opinions. So what would, what would that person think? That's an idol. The disciples had an idol right there in, in chapter 15. It says, Then the disciples came to him. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? They saw them. They had the, the, the Pharisees in a place of importance that they had to check. Hey, Jesus, you might, you might want to go and fix that because they're offended. Idols drive to fear and to check, drive you to fear. And to check on yourself on, like, on their basis of values. But in reality, it's just an imaginary friend in your head. It's just a, it, it doesn't exist with anyone else but you. Has the person said anything? No. Do you actually know the person that would say that? No. So rather than that, let's hold it in the attention of the word that you actually have. So in Psalms 115, he says, not to, us, not, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel. 
cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. If you put your trust in idols that you have in your mind before you actually check with the Lord, you end up looking just like them. All you Israelites trust in the Lord. He's their help and shield. So, um, as I was mentioning, it was a crazy season for me in the last months because um, for how long? Like two years, we've been trying to move here. We've been trying to move to Newburgh. We've been looking for houses. Um, then everything went nuts on real estate last year, and everyone wanted a lot of money for their houses, So, and it was, it was insane. So we couldn't afford anything last year. And, um, but then this, this year started, and my neighbors started to misbehave. My, my neighbors in Portland, uh, in a way. There were squatters in an abandoned house. And um, at the beginning, it wasn't too much of a problem until they start dealing drugs and having a lot, like a distribution. And it was like a drive-by, like a McDonald's, but for, for, for drugs. And uh, that kind of bothers you when it's in the middle of the night and it keeps going and, and you have little kids and it's like, well, the needles are there, so let's try to brush them to their side of the house. And um, so I became kind of like a... Um, I don't know, I would, a detective. I was constantly taking pictures of their tags. I was constantly, like, calling the cops. Um, um, Zach would come to my house. Uh, where's Zach? Where's Zach? And we would watch them, yeah. We would watch them and take pictures and see if we could report anything. Uh, it was just, I went full-on uh, dad mode. I've, I've, I've never gotten to that point because I, want, I wanted to protect my family. And also, it kind of pushed us, like, okay, okay, we've been wanting to leave. Now we got to leave. Like, let's go. And not... We wanted to clean everything and then leave, <laughs> which we did. Uh, but the plan was to get something to arrive here, but it didn't happen. For a month, I couldn't, we couldn't find anything. And um, we were, Lorna and I, we're very, we like to be very strategic on how we're going to do things, and it wasn't working, nothing. And there was a moment where I got frozen. Like, I, 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 fear just held on to me because I, I wanted to outsmart the market, and I wanted to uh, be smarter than everyone, and I couldn't. And, and then I started to feel the crippling of faith, like, 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 like I didn't have faith that anything was going to happen. And then I texted Alex and Austin, and they both called me or texted me, and they get, like, encouraged me and brought peace back with truth, back to, to pointing me back to him, pointing me back to the creator of everything, our um, yeah, the one that defines me, the season doesn't define me, he does. And then uh, I go out for a walk with the family and I'm enjoying peace, peacefully what's happening. And then Jake sends me this voice message. He doesn't know anything. And he sends me a voice message that's like four minutes long. So those are like, those are like, oh, well, all right, fine. Let's go listen to it. Let's sit there and listen to the whole thing. And it was a prophetic word that it was right on, right on the mark, telling me everything that was like describing it with, uh, with a race of Formula One, which I really appreciated. Uh, but it really resounded to everything that was happening. And then he was saying, "You're going into the, the pits, and you're gonna get recharged, and you're gonna come out from this season way stronger than you were before." And sorry. <laughs> Because I'm not doing it alone. 
I don't, I'm not in charge. I can't control what my neighbors do. I can't control what the market does. But I can trust in him. So I took that. And the next day, this house pops up. Sorry. <laughs> I've never broken like this. This, this house broke. <laughs> this house pops up. Um, and uh, for the first, like, first time, Lorna and I, we both like it. That's weird. <laughs> you, you guys have no idea how, like, both like it. Let's go see it. And um, it's a beating war. Oh, heck. <laughs> Why is it a beating war? Everyone's it. And uh, I just sleep, and the Lord gives me a number. And so we give, use that number. And it works. And then, and then we just keep on praying for, like, if it's the right thing. Because we're still, like, I'm still, like, wanting. The market's not like, hey, you made a deal. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the rates are not looking great. So it's, like, it's, it's like I, I'm still, like, wanting to move with it. And it finally closes. And I can tell you, like, I'm going to move here out of his goodness. <laughs> It's, it's him. So I don't know why, what season you are in and you're letting the, the season define you're defining him. You cannot let it happen. You cannot let the world define him. You got to take it back to him and trust him. Matthew 15 doesn't end there. Let's go back to it. And on the 21st, in the verse 20, 21, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying after us. It's kind of funny to see that Jesus was not answering a prayer for someone right there that needed it. And um, he was not even giving a response. But then he explains why. The woman came and knelt before him, no, she said, he, he, sorry, she said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's telling them, this is my mission. I'm standing on my mission. She's out of my mission right now. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, yes, it is, Lord, he, she said. So she agrees. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. She changed. She changed his opinion out of faith. I, I can recall three. I didn't study this too thoroughly. Sorry. But there's three women that change what, the, what Jesus was doing and, takes some, and grabs something that was not for that season. It was Mary when she, she tells him to change the, bring wine. And, 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 and he says, it's not my season. And she'd do it out of faith. And then the other one, that, the woman that, with the problem of blood that grabs the mantle. It, it, he was not, he, he was saying no. He, was, he had on a mission. And suddenly she grabbed her healing out of, out of him. And then this lady. What is it teaching you? We walk by faith. We walk by faith. We move by, what, by holding on to him. 
she did not get offended. The Pharisees did. did. She did not get offended. You, you call me a dog. I don't care. I need my healing. How many times are you getting offended because you're not seeing the same response? You, look, you need to look past it and say, I want what you said that you, you can have. I know who you are. We need to stop getting offended. Offense just pulls you out of relationship. It's putting your pride away. That's what the, the, the Pharisees couldn't do. They couldn't put their pride away. We cannot let anyone but Jesus define God. Jesus is perfect theology. So I, I want to pray right now. Some of you are in those kind of seasons where you're, you've let, you let uh, the season define who he is. You've let the world define who, he's, who, who he is. You've, not, you've gotten offended because they've taken something out of context and you don't understand it and you can't hold it in tension or you just can't, haven't brought it back to him. So I want to minister to them. Yes, we're going to have um, communion, but first I want to pray for those. So can you all stand with me? Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.